0: At this schedule. One, two, three, Welcome into the Hoo-Day Den where the Bengals win. Get your woo on, Jake. Who day. Is who that a woo? That's not a woo. Sorry, I'll, I was I'll take the who day chant. I'll take it. I was I was just feeling the who day chant. Hit it. Woo-day. How about that? 20 to 16 win over the Tennessee Titans, moving to seven and four on the season moving up one spot in the AFC playoff standings now the sixth seed. And I think you can talk all you want about the tough schedule and the upcoming opponents. And I myself have been rather worried about what's to come. But I have to imagine that at this point in the season, there aren't too many teams that are really excited to be playing the Cincinnati Bengals right now. And you heard it in that clip from the postgame locker room speech. I have no idea who that was. It was screaming it. Uh, you couldn't see on the the video that they put up either. I couldn't see who was screaming. Somebody else screamed. But it's right. It's true. These guys have to play us, and right now the Bengals are hitting on—would you say all cylinders? Most cylinders? I would say most cylinders is a most is, cylinders are firing. Okay. Yeah, hard
1: to say all cylinders when we haven't seen Jamar in four That's weeks. That's true. That's true. Uh, and Chidobe Awuzie
0: out, but mm-hmm. pretty pretty close to all cylinders right now. We we've talked about the the margin for error thing and with even tougher opponents out there still to come on the schedule, this Titans game, while not a must win, was a pretty important game to give you just that little, 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 little bit of breathing room. Not much, because if you drop a couple games in a row, you are right back to really clawing your way in. But you, for now, at this point in time, going into the month of December to play football, you have a little bit of breathing room. And you might remember... Last episode, I promised a little Christmas karaoke. Is it now acceptable to have the Christmas music uh, post-Thanksgiving?
1: We are officially in Christmas music territory, so feel free, my friend, to yes, serenade today. This Nation. is one of my
0: favorites. This is uh, Andy Williams, a great Christmas album, by the way. This is a throwback classic, if you're not familiar with the Andy Williams uh, singer-songwriter. My mood after this weekend... would go something like happy holiday while the merry bells keep ringing hey hey happy holiday to you you know i went there was a couple others literally just threw a remix into your own live Uh, just a little just a little very Uh, impressive i might have my own album coming soon but i i do have to before we get into it you know deep 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 i got to give a little shout out to my dad because in the spirit of Christmas, he helped me this weekend get my Christmas lights up. I got up on the, the second level of my house. He held wow. a rope that was fastened to my harness. My life <laughs> was in his hands, Literally. and uh, those rugged hands, they kept me safe. No slips, no falls. And um, it was pretty entertaining, though, because he was ground level, and he was obviously like on the opposite side of whatever side of the roof I was working on, you know, mm-hmm. leverage or something. I don't know. Sure. And physics. I would I would yeah, physics tells me that. I would be yelling like, hey, can you tighten it up a little bit? Because I'd be like kind of close to the gutter, like leaning just a little bit. And I was like, ah, I could use just like a feel a little tug. And he would just hear me say something and he was assuming I needed more. So he's like, I gave you some more. And I'm like, tighten it up. <laughs> so, um, so the whole neighborhood
1: just, is hearing you and
0: your dad. Yeah, we're just like yelling over the house. Uh, but we got it done and lights look great, if I say so myself. Just a classy warm white look. C9 lights across the roof line. You've got the uh the 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 white warm light again. Warm white lights in the tree mm. wrapped around the trunk of the tree at the bottom. Listen to that
1: alliteration. Um, yeah. Warm white was, light.
0: It's classic. Uh I will be adding to the the outside decor as the years progress, but for now it looks good and um Thank you, Father, for the help. Now, we got something to talk about here football wise. Some really interesting stats on this team, and I'm going to be peppering them in throughout this podcast. I'm excited S- to hear them. some from my own findings, some from, you know, the Twitter sphere and other people that are smarter than I. Uh, but the Titans were 22 and four since 2020 when scoring first, and they are now 22 and five i specifically Bengals thought loss.
1: of you when the titans scored
0: first because yeah, of how you've been beating the drum for the Bengals scoring yes yeah, yeah when we got and the ball first and they deferred i'm like oh game over we score <laughs> and that drive's going well it stalls out and then when they score first i'm like ah and then cbs throws up the thing titans 22 and four when scoring first i was like oh no <laughs> it was a battle of wills and we came out, out victorious wills. yeah um what what were some of your bigger takeaways defensively from that game? I have a couple, um, but I, I want to get your thoughts on on the defensive side of the ball. I think there's some obvious things to talk, but uh what did what did you like?
1: Gosh. Uh do we start pause? Oh, you said what did I like? Okay. Yeah, what did um, you like? What'd you like? Man, I I I loved the effort overall. It just felt like the Bengals absolutely took the the fight to the Titans. I think in a lot of times you're watching the Titans games, and it feels the other way around. Feels like the think, teams that wasn't... play the Titans are kind of like getting tossed around a little bit, or they're not quite bringing the same intensity and grit. And it mm-hmm. felt like the yep. Bengals answered the bell. And I know the coaches talked about that, but I mean you can't really say it enough. The guys just came out. I mean, even it's one thing for your for your defensive line or your linebackers to. Step up, play physical ball, kind of stop the run. But when you're getting guys like Cam Taylor-Britt, who's a rookie, or Mike Hilton, who's Man, Mike, Mike Hilton
0: was flying around. He's
1: maybe five eight or five nine, and he's just knifing into the backfield, like not even just off the edge, but sometimes like squirting between tackle and guard, yeah, and taking down Derrick Henry by himself, like that's impressive. And I I think that he's gotten a lot of love today and yesterday and it's it's very much deserved so happy to see um everyone pitch in to
0: to stop the run i was i was a little concerned because the, the run defense had had its ups and downs reader was out he comes back last week and i didn't think we looked that great against naji harris and so i was concerned maybe it was just reader getting back in, into the groove here or whatever um But I mean, his impact was definitely felt this week, bottled up Derrick Henry, 17 for 38. If you've seen any of the clips floating around Twitter of DJ Reader, just absorbing double teams and pushing guys into the backfield. I mean, he's just an absolute bulldozer. He's a monster. uh, One of the stats that I had uh, had seen because I found it myself, Derrick Henry in 103 career games leading up to Sunday had never had a game with as many carries and as few yards as he did against the Bengals. So basically in games where he had at least 17 carries, he had never had as few yards as he did on Sunday. And that is in 103 career games. And so uh, that to me feels significant. Mm -hmm. Half of his runs went for a yard or fewer. I think it was his first run went for nine. And I was like, "Uh Oh, (laughs) I mean, the first one goes for nine. I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, this could be a long day for us. And, um, I mean, I, I thought that in the first half, we texted a little bit about the game. I thought in the first half, the Titans did not go to Derrick Henry enough, even though we were bottling him up. I really thought they were going to try to. And, uh, but uh, I mean, to the credit of the Bengals, they, by the end of the day, Derrick Henry has 17 carries and he still doesn't touch 40 yards. I mean, I don't know if you can say, cause the word gets thrown around a lot, but I don't know if you can say this run defense with DJ reader is elite, but I would say like they, they played elite. On Sunday, we'll see mm-hmm. how that translates going forward. They don't have uh, just off the top of my head. Um, you've got the Ravens and Browns left, and those are uh, pretty successful running teams. But I mean, the Chiefs aren't aren't trying to to run the ball a ton. The Bills aren't trying to run a ton. So I'm not sure we're going to see a... Uh, Taylor, I don't know
1: if you saw the breaking news, but Melvin Gordon was just signed to the Chiefs practice squad. So I wouldn't be so quick to say that the Chiefs (laughs) aren't uh, serious about running the football.
0: Look out. Here comes uh, Melgo. Um, But yeah, I I would say this is probably, for the rest of the season, likely going to be their toughest opponent as as it relates to running the ball in... They like you said answered the bell. Um, I thought Eli Apple played really well too. A couple, yeah, a couple Eli things, kind of the breakup. unsung
1: hero. I, I think there was a lot to be said about a lot um, some of the just like the, the splashier plays as far as stopping the run and stuff like that. But Eli handled his business in the in the secondary um, and made a couple really big plays. I know he. I think one of those, at least one, was on a third down where he broke up a pass to to stop a
0: drive. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, he definitely had a really good game.
0: Yeah, not to jinx him. I feel like Eli, though, is uh, he's one of those guys where, against uh, less scary opponents like the Panthers, he played really well. I think he had a pass breakup that game. Um, Then this game, he has a couple against guys that are like average to maybe below average receivers. I have no concerns about Eli Apple. Um, And that's like not necessarily meant to be a bad thing. Like, But it's good that against bad teams, I'm not really concerned about that tie that side of the field. Like Eli will be able to hold his own. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if there's going to be probably a handful of more plays the rest of the season against some of these pass offenses we go up against, where he is going to get just dusted off of the line. Um, I mean, we saw last week
1: Stephon Diggs come to town in a a few weeks. Steffi
0: Diggs is going to hurt us uh, potentially, but I mean, that's not meant to be a slam. It's just like it. Right, I mean those guys does is. a lot of
1: DBs, so
0: yeah, it's just like who Eli is. Like he's solid, not spectacular, um, and he is good enough that you don't have to worry about in the bad game against like the lesser teams that someone's going to go off. Uh, like yeah, Treyline Burke's got a deep completion. I don't even know that wasn't on him. That was I think that was on that, that was on Cam Taylor. Yeah, um, but like I, I, I'll, I, I just I, I'll give him his props uh, for now. It was a great game, and we'll see how the rest of it plays out. Um, And I I would say like we can get into like negatives in just a little bit. And I I don't mean this to be a negative because I think the bend don't break thing is like so annoying sometimes to watch when they're in third and seven and I can just tell the way we're lined up that we're like our guys are just sitting at the sticks. Mm
1: -hmm. But
0: then when the ball is snapped, they're taking like, you know, four steps back and then. The other teams just running a hitch route to the sticks and getting first downs. Like as when you see that over and over, it's like, come on. But the defense, um yesterday, or yeah, I guess we're recording this. Yesterday the Titans came into the game tied or near the top of the league in red zone touchdown percentage, and we held them to zero touchdowns and three trips in the red zone. So uh yes, the bend and don't break thing can get a little annoying, but uh when it matters, I think we'll gladly trade three for seven whenever we can, you know. Definitely. Um And and Gabe and I were talking about this a little bit this morning, Um, And we've mentioned it on the pod about how there's not a lot of playmakers on this defense outside of Trey Hendrickson. And it's just a defense that's not going to generate turnovers. You're unlikely to have somebody that's going to flip the game and not just make a big play. Like Trey can make a play and it's like, oh, that was, that was, you know, an important play. A sack doesn't usually flip the game unless it's a strip sack scoop for a touchdown. Like, we're likely not going to have that. We're likely not going to have multiple sacks in the same possession. We're not likely going to have a pick six. We're not like, it's just not the way this defense is. Um, And I I think we just have to kind of accept that a little bit. Um, But I think the ability to, to slow things down for the other team, or I guess tighten things up when they get down into the red zone is important because if you're not going to take the ball away, you can't give up seven points. It's like, we just have to live with, Hey, they're going to give up some field goals and we're going to wish they gave up zero on more drives than maybe they will. But it is what it is.
1: I mean, we have our, our secret weapon, Lou, sweet Mm. Lou, sweet Lou and Lou. We trust. And, uh, I think maybe potentially cam Taylor bridge showed us a little bit of that, uh, playmaking potential yesterday with that incredible, uh
0: like chase down
1: and strip of of henry as he's getting ready to go into the end zone
0: that actually is my prediction for um the chiefs game i was telling gabe like because we we kind of said that same thing like cam taylor Britt feels like the closest thing to fit that mold maybe as he progresses in his career because just the way he plays um that like i feel like in the chiefs game cam taylor Britt can be the dude that has a huge interception mate I want to say pick six, but that's just so hard to predict. Right. Um, I, I would not be sh- shocked, I guess, if Cam Taylor Britt, if it's not the Chiefs game sometime this regular season as he's getting more reps, he's going to come up with a key interception um, at some point in time because he's, even on um, even on that deep ball to Traylon Burks, I mean, he was in position. He was there. He just, Traylon Burks is a big athletic dude and went up and got the ball the same way T. Higgins does sometimes to other defensive backs. So it's not like he was, out of position, right. I think he's more often than not been where he needs to be, and he's get, he's going to make a play at some point. But it's yeah. exciting. It's exciting to see him uh, get those reps, and uh, of course, we wish wish Chidube was out was out there. But um, you know, at, at least the bright side is Cam gets his Cam gets his reps, and hopefully, is able to make a big play for us. That that uh, chase down strip was unbelievable. It stinks that it still ended in a touchdown for them, but if you just think of the play of itself mm-hmm. of running over there and i mean that yeah, was a and... that was a punch on the ball like on the replays i mean there's like a wind up and while he's kind of
1: diving has... at the
0: same time you know like it yeah, wasn't yeah. like punch it up from behind cuz you're so close to him it was like i'm going to dive and just punch down on this ball i was like that was actually a really impressive play from him
1: yeah he plays with an incredible amount of physicality which is really fun because I mean, you don't often see that from cornerbacks, right. um, and maybe, I don't know, I think it kind of remains to be seen as far as like what his ball skills are when the ball's in the air, but maybe he's one of those guys that is just going to get you like some strips every once in a while and, and some forced fumbles, maybe yeah. like kind of like a Peanut Tillman type. um obviously peanut he's, punch. He's one of the GOATs as far as that goes, but yeah. Just that kind of guy who's like he's got a nose for the ball and an ability to get it out of the ball carrier's hands. That would be pretty cool to have on the Did defense. Did you have
0: anything else defensively that you, you liked from that game before we move on to special teams? Um, I think we kind of touched on on most most aspects. It was just a
1: really solid performance and it's hopefully something that we'll see them carry forward. Just like you said, Cam Taylor getting more carries, Reader becoming more healthy. Uh, etc.
0: Yeah. Uh, special teams. I mean, you have to note the penalties. There were, th- I think, three of them on punt returns that backed us up even more. Let's see. Bocce had one. Marcus, Marcus Bailey, Bailey had, had one, one. Trey Flowers had one.
1: Yeah, I think that was...
0: Not to go off on a, a little sidebar here, but what I mean, the announcing crew was terrible. The replays, or lack thereof, were, were terrible. They called that penalty on Trey Flowers, and as they're showing the replay of that one, the official, the uh, the announcers, like, yeah, you can't run out of bounds and then not come right back in. He's talking about the, the Titans, Titans player. player, yeah, and he's talking about like he's the one that committed the penalty. Yeah, we got called for it. And I was like, well, what did what did we get called for? And you just didn't see that, anyways. The the penalty. Can I do is it not- a double sidebar. Yes, hit it. Um, one thing, and
1: this is not meant to be uh like a slam or something like that. But one thing I've noticed about Mike Vrabel, and we talked about this just a little bit, was that he's really good at uh, working the referees. I would, I, th- I, would, I think that's I would a skill. It.
0: I would put it down as a slam. no, no,
1: no, no. If, yeah. if it was our guy, I think we'd be like, yeah, that's great. Because I definitely think there's an ability for a. Coach you don't think you to, would get annoyed to get if some you calls. saw Zach Taylor doing that? Not if I was winning every game. Ah, <sighs> see, I don't know. It's just such annoying behavior. I think it, it just comes across, like I don't know, maybe it's some sort of implicit bias, but there are certain guys where it's like, I respect that, and Mike Graybull is one of those because he, just the way that he's dueled check and done some smart things, and you can tell that he's really a student of the game and knows what yeah. he's talking about. I respect it, but definitely there could be guys doing it, and I would just be upset and call them whiny babies or something also, but. I think he did a great job yesterday. Like, I feel like the referee on his side of the field called multiple penalties in the first half. Not saying that they weren't necessarily penalties, but I don't know. Could have had something to do with it. He's just, he seems like one of those guys that, that has a knack for that.
0: I mean, he definitely had the ref's ear every time the camera was on him. He was upset about something. Um, I thought the the punting was, if you watch the game, you're like, oh, wow, like Chrisman, you know, punted pretty well. I was actually surprised because. Again, they don't show any stats or replays or anything during the CBS broadcast, apparently. Uh, But Chrisman averaged almost 52 per punt. He had a couple inside the 20. I think one was inside the 10 or at the 10. And when I went back to look at some of those punts, when you consider where he was punting from, it's if you just look at where we kicked from and where Tennessee started, it doesn't look like we necessarily flipped the field on them. But it was because Tennessee was getting... and And I don't know if this is a Chrisman issue. I'd heard like some of the concerns being around his hang time or lack thereof, but -hmm. Tennessee was able to like get returns on all of their punts as well. So at the end of the day, it didn't look like we pinned them deep, but the first punt from the seven yard line went 62 yards. Uh, Tennessee ended up starting at their own 40 because they were able to get a return off of it. Mm -hmm. Second punt from the seven 55 yards. Again, Tennessee starts at their own 46. So you look like, wow, they're already almost to midfield. But it, it did kind of feel like if we were punting from our seven yard line, like not to pile on to Kevin Huer, but just from what we've seen recently, it felt like if we were punting from our seven, it would be pretty likely that Tennessee starting at like their own 40 or <laughs> own 45. Um, and I mean, that's like a 10 to 15 yard difference from where they were starting, even with returning the ball, you know? Um, yeah. And then he had another 59-yard punt where Tennessee started at their own 31, uh, punting it from inside our 25. So there were some tough situations for Crispin to sit. Like, you have to get a good punt off there, and he did it three times. And I thought that that would just even more solidified. the Yes, maybe he lacks a little bit of hang time, and so the other team is going to get some returns. But knock on wood, I hope I don't jinx anything. How often do you see a punt actually get returned for a touchdown? Like, usually if the other team... I feel like returns a punt between five to 10 yards. They it's like considered a success. Uh, Like as long as your punt returner can move forward and doesn't have to fair catch. It's like, Oh, that's a good punt return. Right. So it's like, I'll take him punting it 55 to 60 yards. If it gets returned five to 10 yards each time, if his net's still going to be between 45 and 50. Um, Yeah. And I think that's the
1: biggest thing kind of moving forward is what's that net after a few more games. Is it, is it better than Hubers was? If so, then great. Um, but it is kind of promising to see a punt returner like moving backwards to catch the ball. Yeah, seriously. Like it's kind of piddling. nice. Nice to see. Well, yeah. um, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just looking at my fantasy team this morning
0: and I had Chrisman peoples- on your team.
1: No. Well, yeah, I just added <laughs> him off waivers. Uh, yeah. I, sp- I spent all <laughs> my money.
0: Pun- it's a point per punt league. Yeah.
1: But uh, I was looking at Donovan people's Jones who looks like had a pretty solid game and, uh, punt returns for the Browns. And so I I followed that way in the in the brain, just thinking, okay, a couple weeks from now, knowing that Christmas been lacking a little bit in the hang time departure, something that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Um, but I just since wanted you, to since say you it out mentioned loud. It,
0: I did go look it up. Uh, Huber averaged 43, netted 37. Oof. Um, Drew is so far, again, eight punts is a pretty small sample size, but right. he is averaging 52. So about mm, looks like nine and a half yards more per punt and netting 45, eight yards more per punt. So, okay. I mean, eight to nine yards is a pretty big difference. Um, I mean, that's like a giving yeah. up a first down. And so like, if you look at his Cubers averages in punt and punt and his net and stuff, like you basically, wherever the, the uh, Titans got the ball, pretty much add 10 yards to that so they would have been starting on our side of the field a couple of times where yesterday we're not able to with chrisman so and it was Chris already had, a filled position just battle that the bengals yeah. were losing early in that game he's a confirmed boomer he's a confirmed boomer of the punts um and then uh, our guy evan mcphee huge is bow <laughs> told you not to worry about our guy. I was worried, I was right. He got his head right after the bye, hit the, hit the links, golfed yeah. a little bit, and uh, had the Pittsburgh game last week with the cold and wind. Mm-hmm. You know, another that, windy that, game this week, that, yep. That instilled a little confidence. Got a little wind on yesterday. the grass, not even on the 47 yarder, turf. 38 yarder. And I just want to say, my confidence is restored in Evan McPherson.
1: Let's go! It's needed, it. it was huge. You could tell it it's great to be able to look on the screen and you see, granted, the Titans were running out a rookie, like undrafted free agent guy, and he just looks scared every time they show him on the sidelines, on the field, yeah. whatever. And then there's Evan McPherson, who just always seems to be smiling, always looks cool, calm, collected. It definitely is just, just happy to be
0: alive, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, that is now five for five. Evan McPherson, Drew Chrisman, Adam combination. So um, that's promising. Huge Christmas, Christmas playoff kind of stretch. Ball, so. um, offense, I thought things were a little clunky. Um, a lot of self-inflicted wounds early on in the game. Uh, Tennessee has a, a good defense. I know they were missing a piece or two and whatnot, but I thought if I want to start on things I didn't like offensively, because I, I want to spend way more time on the stuff I did like, we'll just get the, the bad out of the way first. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought offensively. The penalties, which are pretty obvious, uh, I mm-hmm. looked up, um, I think over the last, like I can't remember if I looked up a two years or three years, uh, but we had one game last year against Pittsburgh that we won. It was the 24 to 10 win. We had 10 penalties that game. Um, and then yesterday we had nine and that was our second most we've had the last couple of years. So it was like a, for a team that's very disciplined and unchar- uncharacter- <laughs> uncharacter- <got> <laughs> okay. uncharacteristically high penalty game from them. Um, and they were big ones, too. I mean, we talked about the ones on special teams that didn't really help us to start our drives. And then you've got the offensive pass interference from Chris Evans. Rest in peace. Pour one out for him. He's uh, done. He's, he's cooked. Done. <laughs> see ya. Uh, really killed the first drive. Negated a first down that would have been inside the Tennessee 25. We had to punt on that drive. We had a apparently an offensive pass interference on T later in the game. Never got to see the replay of that one. Yeah, that was kind of... <laughs>
1: The production team just really wasn't yeah, on their A game. That's okay.
0: They just called it, so we just trust the refs. Sure. Uh, put us at first and 20. We had to punt on that drive. Um, you know, another aside here. First and 20. I don't love the play call to run up the middle on first and 20. I see you don't? Put us at, put it, put it as a nice second and 19 there. So when we were <laughs> second and 19, I was like, ah, that kind of kills the drive. Uh, then we had the intentional grounding late in the game, which I know there were some other uh, circumstances around that. He slipped. uh I guess the alternative could have been a sack, which isn't great. Um, But it was a penalty. Joe -hmm. Burrow did something you're not allowed to do. And that really squashed any chance of a touchdown on that drive because you lose the yardage and the loss of downs. So I don't really have concerns necessarily around them because, again, this has been an extremely disciplined team for a few years now. Mm -hmm. Um, But you really saw how those just hurt momentum. And it felt like for a game that we won by four, I mean, how's that game look if we just, I mean the Chris Evans penalty cost us three to seven points potentially. You know? Right. And who knows who knows about the other drives. But could i have really been... look
1: at it as like you played well enough to win by two scores at Tennessee. Because you you think the last drive they they kicked a field goal and then yeah. it the penalty, so they end up kneeling the ball. So that's your seven points. And then the Chris Evans pass interference on the first drive knocks out what probably would have been at least field goal. Then you have the T Higgins drop that leads mm-hmm. to no yeah. points. I mean they yeah. had drives on the Titan side of the field all day where it really felt like they were going to score and then penalty drop whatever kind of forces them to punt or stalls the drive. And so I was really encouraged that the team didn't have their A game
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they still were able to move the ball effectively. They still were able to score when they needed to, to put the game away and move the ball when they needed to, to keep the ball away from the Titans there at the end. So absolutely. All it's like all, kind
0: of what we saw last week too, is like, yeah. throw a couple interceptions as fluky as they may be. They still happened. And I mean, I know the final score says we won by seven, but there was a garbage time touchdown in there. Like we had a double digit lead with like two minutes left. So it it was a, a single score win, but it was a convincing win still nonetheless, even without your A game. And now you come into here and you know the sacks weren't an issue like they were last year against Tennessee. Instead it was some of those other, you know, penalties and drops you talked about, and you still get out of Tennessee with the win. And and I do think like when I call some of these teams frauds, like Tennessee, I've said they're a fraud all year long. I'm not I'm not saying they're a bad team. It's just that I think they're fake contenders. Like they're the like they're good enough to make the playoffs and they'll make the playoffs because they have a good enough team. They're not a team that, like, in the playoffs, I worry about because you're led by Ryan Tannehill and nothing, you know, no one at receiver. Like, I, I, I kind of view it of like, that's cool if you make the playoffs, but if you're not winning the playoffs, who cares? It's kind of like the same thing with the Ravens. I think they're pretenders. They're good enough to win games in the regular season. They're not a bad team by any means, but like, they're not winning a Super Bowl this year. It's just not happening. Um, so I don't want to diminish, diminish. Sure. But I think cause... to your
1: point, when you're looking at the playoff standings, if you're a, a team and you're thinking to yourself, who do I, who would I rather play Yeah. versus who do I definitely don't want to play? Yeah. Those teams that you're like, ah, you know, if we have to go to the Titans, they're tough, but you feel decent about your chance to win. Or are like, oh, we have to go to Baltimore. They're tough, but yeah. you feel like you got a shot. And that's obviously it's not a knock because those teams are really, really good. But I think to your point, when you're really stacking up the contenders versus the maybe not quites, that's where they fall.
0: Was there anything else you didn't like before we get into what we did? Like I had one more and I'm, I, I don't, I'm not even going to mention it cause it's, it's too nitpicky. Um, I'm not even gonna mention it. So do you have anything else that you,
1: I, I don't like the Samaj Joe Mixon discourse, <laughs>
0: um... but that's,
1: that doesn't re- that's not really, have, that doesn't really have anything to do with. What no, we'll get, the to, we'll get to that. We'll get to
0: that we'll get to that don't worry. Okay. Um that's good. Uh on to the things we did like and th- I think this is going to be probably the if you think of the the podcast here and and chapters, the next chapter of this podcast episode is the good. The good thing about this this team, this offense specifically, they had yet another 90 plus yard touchdown drive. We talked about it last week that they were I think they had four coming into the game. They had two all of last year or something like that. They had another one against the Titans, down ten to three in the first half. Burrow leads the charge, ninety-two yards, tie it up. It was capped by P. Ryan, really running into the teeth of the defense. That was where he brought in, uh, and it was funny because it wasn't even like at the one-yard line. It was seven yards out, and we're bringing in a as an extra lineman. We got Stanley Morgan in there, like we're saying, "Hey, we're running this ball," just so you know. And I mean, he just gashed it up the middle seven yard touchdown. And I was like, that feels good. Like when you're able to just kick them in the teeth Mm -hmm. and you talked about like you were talking on the defensive side too, but like that, that was just taking the toughness to Tennessee. Like, I think they pride themselves on like defense and running the ball and trenches and like that sort of is kind of their style and their identity. And we just said, Hey, we're showing you the personnel that tells you we are a thousand percent running this ball from the seven yard line. And they still couldn't stop us. I was like, okay, that's that's good. That's it good was name. an
1: impressive play, honestly. I was like, oh wow, I did not ex- oh, once oh, they once they're handing it off, it's like okay, maybe they get three, four, get it down right, there, right. and then he just like rather easily
0: gets into the end zone. I'd I should have I should have looked it up. Maybe I will while we're talking. But P Ryan's yards after contact had to be ridiculous because oh, he was
1: a monster yesterday. I mean,
0: we always talk about how he falls forward, mm-hmm. but I mean, it was just like another level yesterday. Uh, you just see him pulling people, getting hit and bouncing off of them and falling forward for three more. And I'm like, in a game where his end stat line doesn't look great, he had 3.4 yards per carry. Uh, I mean, it was a nice, like, it's a tough run defense. And they hadn't given up 100 plus rushing yards since week two. So the numbers for P Ryan specifically don't look outstanding. Uh, He kept things moving for us. I felt like, Uh, I recall a screenplay that got blown up for like negative five. And I recall a couple of running plays that went for like zero or one specifically that kind of put us behind the chains. But more often than not, there was actually one um, where he got hit and I I take notes of all the plays and I was like typing on my phone, like a one yard gain. And I looked up and it was like second and seven. And I was like, how did he get three out of that? (laughs) Like I looked down and just assumed he had gone down and I guess he fell forward.
1: He's just uh, that kind of guy.
0: He's, he's a pure Just that kind of guy. Um, but I thought it, like along the lines of running the 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 offense was a good run pass balance, um, in a game where, again, I think that there's there's validity to the conversation after the Browns game of hey we just like abandoned the run, but there was also some concerns about how good our run game had been and whatnot. We've done a really nice job against now, you know, the Panthers and the Steelers and like of balancing the game. And it doesn't mean 50, 50, it Mm -hmm. means like 60, 40, 65, 35, but we're not going like 80, 20 passing the ball. And in a game where maybe we could have done that because Burrow wasn't taking a lot of sacks, you could Mm -hmm. look at it that way. We didn't have to, because again, P Ryan, 3.4 3.4 yards per carry isn't great, but three of those carries in a row results in a first down, so you will kind of take it. Um, yeah. Travion Williams, two carries for 18 yards. I saw him with a nice uh, pickup Huge. on a blitz. Also. Awesome. I mean, Evans is just buried on the running back death chart now. Um, and I don't, I don't dislike Chris Evans. I right. Think, I was I just, just going to say, uh, it
1: feels like we're, we're coming down hard on no, Chris. So if he's I, out I there like listening, I, we like you, Chris. and we I like Chris Evans. I just get
0: annoyed with the, I just, it's the fan base that annoyed me with Chris Evans. Yeah. Um. That they, they acted like he was a sixth overall pick, not a sixth round pick. So um, maybe he has a chance to contribute down the road doing something. But for now, I mean, you look at Samaj P. Ryan and Travion Williams as being two guys. Again, Travion had two carries, but had a, a nice catch. catch as well. Had a, a nice catch, catch as well. I thought Burrow sailed that for a split second. I know. And that was a huge catch. It really was. Um, you just have to feel good about the running back room in general with Mixon coming back. And again, you hope that um, a concussion isn't like a reoccurring thing. He's mm-hmm. he'll, He missed a game and a half or whatever it was. And he'll be good to go and it's not going to be a reoccurring thing. But if there is some sort of lingering issue or something else comes up, you feel at least confident now that like, okay, like we can go to P Ryan and this offense will be okay. Uh, we hope that it doesn't get down to like Travion Williams has to be the starter necessarily. Cause then things have gone bad, but you would feel okay about it. It's not like things are going to get just completely derailed. Um, I thought I, 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 the perks of waiting to do this, this episode, till the day after as you get like more information right i like the right after the game because you get that like kind of rapid reaction mm-hmm. but you miss out on some of the the stats and replays that you see and stuff like that and one of them that i saw today from andrew russell via pff weeks one through four the Bengals ranked 24th in the nfl their offensive line gave up pressures on 28.6 percent of the dropbacks so that's bottom third in the nfl uh weeks five through twelve, which is a rather large sample size, sixth best in the league. Uh 19.5% pressure rate. So the line gave up just one sack yesterday. They're really starting to get it together, and I think that's pass blocking and run blocking. They look better than they did earlier in the season. And I'm like, I wouldn't have guessed that they were sixth best in the league in that metric over the last seven weeks or whatever. Um, but I guess it checks out, right? They they sh- maybe struggled a little bit with Miles Garrett, I mean, he got a lot of penetration, but they held their own against TJ Watt. They held their own against the Titans. Like uh, Jeffrey Simmons wasn't a huge impact. Bud Dupree didn't make a huge impact yesterday. Offensive line coming together.
1: They are gelling. And you you have to attribute some of that to Joe being like intentional about getting the ball mm-hmm. out quick yep. and the 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 whole like the scheme just working that quick game. Exactly. Um but I think that's just, you know, you're playing to your strengths and you're playing to your personnel. But you don't want to take anything away from the offensive line because they have been playing much better. And you mentioned it, the fact that the running game has been so much more efficient tells you that they've been playing better as well. So it's it's been awesome to see. I hope it continues. I hope they get better and better with each week. Um, Collins being down the one knee after one of those plays in the game yesterday, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, But I'm uh, glad to see him bounce right back. I think maybe he missed a play or something. But, yeah, I, they, they've been great. And it's been fun to see the Bengals be just efficient, whether they're running or passing. And it's so much different in a lot of ways from last year because it just felt like we had so many three and outs. Last year it would be mm-hmm. boom or bust. And this yep. year it's felt like even on the possessions where we're not scoring, we're getting a first down we're shooting ourselves in in enemy territory like we did yesterday um it's not any more like oh can we move the ball at all it's more can we keep a consistent rhythm and put up touchdowns versus field goals and things like that so hats off to zach taylor
0: brian callahan the whole gang um yeah and i think if you look at again you can't take away any of these things but the first the first drive of the game we know got derailed by the offensive pass interference but that drive ended a punt the next drive was a three and out the next drive was a three and out and you now have three of your usually you're going to get 10 11 12 drives a game maybe And you just wasted three of them obviously our defense did a great job keeping us in it um only down three to nothing at that point and then from there on out you got a field goal another punt you got a touchdown another point you got a field goal you got a touchdown and then we had the long drive to end the game um So all in all, I would say after your first three drives, things really settled in. Um, You know, are you one of those drives translates into some points? You're looking at a 23 point output. I mean, we would add 23 if we kicked the field goal at the end with McPherson. So So you're looking at, you're looking at maybe a 30 point output, but you mentioned um, just how the offense looks differently. And I'm going to like try to relay these stats without reading them off and making it really hard to follow. But Nate Tice put these out from uh, The Athletic and basically, long story short, and it's something we have kind of touched on, you know, is the offense being boomer bust last year and this year, the way they're playing being a more sustainable way of playing is the way he put it. Um, And they, they were their third in offensive success rate this season. Despite being twenty-first in explosive play rate, so last year it was explosive plays basically define whether we were successful offensively or not, and this year we're doing it with you know longer sustained drives than we were last year. Uh, last year we were thirteenth in EPA per play. This year we're seventh, um, second in EPA per play since week five, which is when we started to make those changes to the offense. So really, like one of the top, most consistent offenses over the last seven weeks or whatever. Compared to last year, where we're really, if you look to the numbers, we were middle of the pack. And I think that, like all these numbers that come up, there's some other ones well as well, that this is probably what most of the people were pointing to in the offseason where they're like regression, regression, regression. And had they stayed the same, we probably would have seen regression, especially with like Jamar Chase out. If you're still relying on only big plays and you're down Jamar, that's going to hurt you considerably. But now with the way the offense has really taken off and really. I don't know if transformed is the right word. Maybe it is from what they've done last year. Evolved, Uh, maybe. Yeah, evolved into an offense that can sustain long drives. Again, we talked about the 90-yard touchdown drives that they had. They had another one that was uh, a 14-play, 60-yard, ended in a field goal. That's a sustained drive. Took a little over five minutes off the clock. End of the game. You get the ball, and you're up by four, and you're thinking, we have to at least get a field goal here to really ice it. And of course, there was the debacle at the end for the Titans where we ended up getting the ball back. But before that penalty, when we were going to kick the field goal, it had been a 12 play 66 yard drive that took up over six minutes of the clock. We were going to be leaving them uh, less than two minutes. We were getting ready to kick the field goal with a minute 53 left. So, I mean, we chewed up clock on that drive by getting first downs, moving the ball. That's one of the most encouraging things, I think. From this offense, and a lot of it goes into contributing. The pressure rate contributes to being a more consistent offense. We were offensive lines, been better, the running game has been more efficient. That helps as well. But I mean, credit to our dude, Joe Burrow. Inevitable, he's, he's inevitable. After Tennessee tied it 13 to 13 for the remainder of the game, Joe Burrow went six for eight, 112 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, you feel it, and maybe hasn't he cold blooded? <laughs> yes. And he might have had another
1: touchdown there at the end if Zach didn't decide to get a little conservative and yeah. go with the the run plays once they got it down inside the 10. So
0: Burrow's playing really exactly. well
1: that that may have hurt his MVP chances a little bit.
0: Not having I, him throw that extra touchdown, but... I did, I thought maybe it didn't hurt him as bad as I thought it might have when I looked at the end-of-game stats. No, because what do you have, like I know, 270
1: and a touchdown or something?
0: Yeah, he had 270 touchdown, no turnovers. And I mean, I know unless you're Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, nobody looks at total yards for a quarterback, but he had 30 more rushing yards, so you had a 300-yard day from him with a touchdown and no turnovers. So it's like, you'll take that. Wasn't great, but um, you know the the real separators coming this week against the yeah. the Chiefs. If it was MVP him, type behavior, though. Let's say that, yeah, because he was on the money all day.
1: It felt like um, I think people were questioning a few of the decisions as far as like throwing the ball early or taking checkdowns, whatever. But especially as the game went on, he was lights out.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing that I really enjoy, and usually I don't really care about what other people say about the Bengals that much I just like I just don't get as worked up as others because I just I don't really care Uh, but a lot of people were talking about how like Burrow just benefits from Jamar Chase and T Higgins on his team and especially Jamar Chase and the yards after catch and all this stuff and he did have like yards after catch last year like Jamar does make explosive plays like I don't think we should apologize for that and I also don't think that diminishes Joe Burrow but now you're looking at yesterday's game was one that if you looked at like the cbs market thing like most people were seeing that game mm-hmm. titans and bengals and they're saying oh wait where's joe mixon like these are household names that whether you root for the bengals or not you probably have them on your fantasy team or you're familiar with joe mixon and you see he's not out there and you see jamar chase on the sidelines and if you watch the game you saw tyler boyd like not have a target through the first half or whatever didn't have a catch or whatever it was like He's doing it completing passes back shoulders to Trent Norwin and Samaj P. Ryan. That was another that great play. catch. That was a great catch. Making the play to the Trevion Williams that we mentioned. Like he's doing it with guys that you would not consider elite talents by any means. And it's like he is just in that conversation now. You talked about the inevitable thing last week, and it's like right now it's Mahomes and Burrow and who else? And I think like that's the other thing too is now if if you if you had unbiased fans or unbiased people that weren't fans of certain teams or whatever and said how many teams would take their current quarterback over joe burrow i think that list is just getting shorter and shorter and shorter mm-hmm. and i think you would say the chiefs obviously aren't going to trade mahomes bills fans love josh allen even though i would take Burrow over allen it's close enough that i wouldn't you know That's spicy could be a spicy take I'm just saying, like, they're close enough. Joe doesn't turn the ball over like Josh. uh, Josh does things that Joe can't do. Joe does things that I think Josh can't do. And so I think when it's close enough like that, the tiebreaker is going to be your fan base. Like, oh, of course I'm not going to. It's Joe Burrow. I'm not going to trade him for whatever. Um, Same might be
1: said for Herbert. I think a lot of Chargers fans would scoff at That's insane. See, that that
0: I would just completely. (laughs) I would. That that's unacceptable i think generally. herbert's had some really nice moments in the in the last couple of weeks in the fourth quarter so sure he's, he's also in his third season and he's won zero big games so i just don't know how you would true I, I guess you could keep him and hope he wins a playoff game sometime but i'll take the guy that's been to a super bowl anyways that <laughs> list is getting shorter and shorter of guys that you would say i want this quarterback over joe burrow and uh, in the same vein like You put Joe Burrow on, and I think we had this conversation last offseason on an episode. Uh, I was doing like uh, quarterback rankings in the AFC North, and I was trying to do like, okay, if you put Joe Burrow on the current iteration of the Browns, are they a better team or worse team? And, you know, trying to decide who's the best quarterback Mm -hmm. and whatever else. And I think if you did that exercise now, like Joe Burrow makes, again, almost every team bar, maybe two better than what they are right now. Because we've seen him now not rely on Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon and, and elite play from those guys to carry him. It's like he's legitimately carrying this offense by being efficient, taking care of the ball and just being, I mean, it's cliche, but like just being a, a leader, like inevitable.
1: He's he's just being it's inevitable. inevitable. <laughs> we, can, we can say it every week. Hopefully, we're saying the same thing next
0: week after a Burrow huge versus Mahomes season. on the 425 slate, uh, you know, the afternoon slate. There's usually only like a, a few games, like a lot of eyes. It's gonna be under the I lights. could it's really swing the pendulum. Yeah. Really swing Absolutely. the pendulum for Burrow for the MVP hype. Um, I, I am curious. Again, it's, a, it's too early to get into it now. I saw somebody post a tweet about after week 11 last year, what the MVP odds were, and Rodgers wasn't even in the top five, and he obviously ended up winning it. So it's way too early to, you know, give any whatever, but I'm curious as to how, uh, obviously if he finishes the season on fire, maybe, but like Tua has missed two and a half games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious because his numbers are up there with the other MVP quarterbacks, how is that going to impact him? Um, but I mean, right now it's like Mahomes, Allen, Tua hurts Burrow. And those are the guys you're looking at. And when you get a head to head, I mean, we'll have two more head to heads, Mahomes and Burrow and Allen and Burrow. Um, yeah, that could really swing things. Um, I want to get into a couple things I'm monitoring coming into this upcoming game. This is not a Chiefs preview. I hope to have a Chiefs preview later this week. Uh, working on getting a guess We'll see whether that comes to fruition. But I'm going to hit you with the first one. And uh, you tell me if I'm being a Debbie Downer here. Please. Something I'm monitoring is our secondary. Because I think if we're yes. being real with ourselves, yes, we don't really know yet how this secondary... Will respond without Chidobe because we did give up like a career day to Kenny Pickett last week. Tannehill had had 290 yards with really no good wide receivers. Well, one decent one that's a rookie. We face the Panthers now. I'm not going to say that if Mahomes has 350 yards that the secondary is a disaster because I mean this is like going into the ultimate challenge for the secondary, mm-hmm. right? It's arguably the best quarterback in the NFL over the last few years. Um, so it's not to say that this is going to determine whether they're a failure, but if they even have a decent game, that would make me feel much better about the rest of the season, because I am concerned, uh, even about like games that I think we should win later in the season, like the, the Buccaneers who don't look great right now, we haven't gone up against a quarterback without Chido That's, that's like Tom Brady that has weapons like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and, that that concerns me a little bit. So I think that's something I'm monitoring to see how does the secondary hold up. We're not saying keep Mahomes to 275. It's more like don't let him throw for 380 and four touchdowns.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I definitely share the same concern. Um, I think the Titans are honestly a little bit of a a solid matchup for the Bengals. Um, I I just think that's why it's probably why we're three zero against them is that we match up really well we can play the the right style of defense to to contain them. And then obviously our offense can score points on anyone. But I do worry about the Chiefs or the Bills or, like you said, the Bucks teams that can throw the ball a little bit. Um, CTB is still young. Eli, like we said, is solid, but he's not spectacular. And our, our front four doesn't really get pressure. So... I mean, you give any quarterback enough time, they can probably find an open guy. So I am worried um, about those games and just seeing how At this they'll. Point we're they'll not getting it. any
0: reinforcements. Like there, like trade deadlines passed. There are no right. notable free agents that we can get. So you are going to war with the guys you have. Right. And I think it's going to take either Cam Taylor, Britt, all of a sudden becoming a playmaker in the way we mentioned before. Which I am a little, <clears throat> excuse me hesitant to believe that'll happen because if you recall he went for that interception or pass breakup or whatever I think against the Panthers (laughs) and Lou made a comment about like yeah we talked to him like don't do that ever again right because he gave up a big play and I'm like yeah they don't want him to gamble so I have some you know no doubts that that'll actually be him but it's like this is about the time of year last year where Jesse Bates turned up and out of nowhere he was elite Jesse Bates for the rest of the season making plays and it's like that's kind of what it's going to take again for us to feel decent about the secondary without a Your your guys on the back end, which Von Bell was a ball hawk at the first part of the season here, mm-hmm. and now it's like Jesse's turn to to earn that next huge right. contract. Like play for whoever is the team that's going to sign you this offseason to to a big deal. Do it for them. Do it for us too. But well, I, I think, I
1: think we that's kind of you're you're hitting the nail on the head. Of the one thing that if you can take solace in it's that the Bengals have good safeties uh, and they have pretty decent linebackers. And so you just pray that the corners can hold up well enough. And let's be honest, like it's not like we have to hold teams to 15 points to win as long as the yeah. offense is clicking and scoring. It's not like the chiefs have a great defense or I mean, the bills are really injured. So their defense has taken a hit. The bucks have had some issues, but they're pretty good. But It's just all these teams that, even though you might worry a little bit about their offenses, you're not too concerned about the Bengals being able to match them. So as long as the Bengals continue to play that Lou Anarumo, Ben, don't break, he said it today, it's not about the yards, it's about the points. So I would (laughs) expect Pat Mahomes to have a pretty nice stat line, but as long as it doesn't say five touchdowns, then the Bengals probably have a decent shot of winning.
0: Um, and and you talked about it a little bit before. This is this is where I wanted to bring up the P Ryan Mixon split. It's something I'm monitoring in the upcoming game because I think for those that are perhaps alluding to the fact that P Ryan should overtake Mixon's roles RB one, you can just stop wasting <laughs> your time. It's not happening. But I do think P Ryan has earned more touches, Yeah. more opportunities beyond just the occasional third down. Come in here to pick up the blitz or in the two minute offense. I think that. He's earned the opportunity to to mix into different drives, where no pun before, intended if he, there, if he, yeah, to mix in to different drives. Um, I should say to p ride into different drives. Good, and good. um, thank you. Uh, that before when he came in, we knew it was either because it was two minute offense or because we needed to pick up blitzes. Like he wasn't going to run the ball when he was in the game. And now I think he's earned the opportunity, and that could honestly make our offense more dynamic of that it's second and 5 and we bring in Smajay P Ryan and we're running a play out of shotgun you honestly don't know if we're handing it off to P Ryan or if we're going to throw the ball because we ha- we've like shown now the last couple of weeks that P Ryan can run the ball effectively so I hope that this doesn't turn back into Mixon just dominating 90% of the snaps right. unless he's going to come back like Panthers game Mixon then mm-hmm. of course sure uh but that's not going to happen so um no, I'm no. I'm monitoring what that split looks like. Yeah, and I think I, if anything, I do it just think adds... it would benefit them to to give you know some more touches.
1: Yeah, I think it adds a layer, not just another layer to the offense like you said when he's in there. Now teams have to think just a little bit more, hesitate just a little bit more. Like, oh, will they give him the ball? I mean, the Chiefs know firsthand we'll throw it to him out of the backfield. So it's nice to have. I mean, it's just an embarrassment of riches. It's nice to have do you think a guy. We
0: see... The, the wishbone with Nixon, P. <laughs> Ryan and Travion. I would love nothing like Chris more. Evans out wide. I would
1: love what? nothing more than to have all four of the running backs <laughs> on the field at the same time. So that all of the Chris Evans and Samaj P Ryan, I was going to say yeah. a word probably that shouldn't have been said, uh, <laughs> but all of Thank their fans uh, can just have a field day with that.
0: Yeah. Um, the last thing I put that I'm monitoring and it's kind of like not really concerned about, but it could be a big story is how's Jamar going to look in his first game back? Because a part of me is like, obviously if he wasn't healthy, they're not going to put him out there, Mm -hmm. but will he be rusty? Will he be his normal explosive self? Um, Are they going to have him on a pitch count at all? Which I don't think it's going to be like, Hey, you're only playing 20 snaps, but instead of him playing hundred percent of the snaps, is it going to be, we'll put you at like 70% to start because maybe again, not at all putting them on the same level, but now it's like, if we have to put T Tyler and Trent Irwin out there, we don't, it's okay. Like we know mm-hmm. if Trent Irwin's numbers called, he can make a play. And so what does that look like? Because if you think about the games last year, specifically the first game in Cincinnati, I mean, Jamar completely dominated that game and, right against these types of teams that are legitimate super bowl contenders that have uh offenses like you said that this is going to be a game that if we win it's because it's 31 to 28 not because it's 20 to 17 Mm -hmm. um and so you're going to have to score points like jamar is that game breaker for you offensively that can he's like the great equalizer Mm -hmm. you give up a, a demoralizing drive defensively or whatever Jamar's the guy that can on the next drive take one 60 70 80 yards and you're just like wow you're right back in it just swing that momentum that thing we don't have defensively he's that for us offensively right and so i'm just kind of curious how it'll be in his first game back and i'm I, I honestly don't know what to expect do you have are you leaning one way or the other there
1: uh i'm definitely leaning towards him being probably pitch count a tiny tiny bit so like you said maybe not 100% of the snaps but I on I really don't expect him to be held out for significant portions of the game or anything like that and I really I do expect him to play pretty well I think just from the reporting that he was upset or I don't even know if it was reporting but the rumors that he was upset he wasn't going to get to play and then Zach Taylor being so excited about yeah we got in the week of practice this was just what we wanted to do now he's coming back I, I really do feel like he's gonna be maybe not quite his normal self because his normal self is really darn impressive and he's coming back. Also, isn't
0: it kinda level. wild? Like he didn't have surgery, right?
1: right. He just rested
0: it. And yeah. so we literally saw him burning defenses with apparently this hip injury already yeah. <laughs> before it was diagnosed. So I'm like part like, even if he's not completely healthy, he can right. still take over a game. And eighty
1: five percent Jamar Chase is better than most receivers, I would say. Yeah. So I, Better than me, even. <laughs> even you. Even I. So I'm excited to get him back. I think it's going to be fun. And I'm, obviously Joe going to be excited, too, to have uh, Jamar back. So
0: according to ESPN, the Bengals now have a 77.6% chance to make the playoffs. So I would say, again, heading into December, you're sitting pretty. You feel good about where you are. But obviously, still a little work left to do. Do you think if they uh-huh. win
1: this game, that jumps into, like, the 90-plus percent range? I would, I would have um, to think so. Well, actually, I don't know, like, what the no, Chiefs I, are right now, but...
0: Yeah, I don't think it would really impact it that much, because I'm thinking... If you get to 8-4... and four, I would think that oh, your odds. Oh, come... I, th- I, I was thinking from the standpoint of because we beat the Chiefs. You're saying just to get our no, yeah, eight No, yeah, you get your eight win. Uh, yeah, I, I think, think that your would odds probably are, are incredible. To if play. I look at uh, Kansas City right now, they're well, they're going to win their division, so that's right. why they're at like a hundred percent. That's true. It's a little bit um, different. Um, Bills. Yeah, they're leading their division, too. So let me find one that's not like uh Dolphins not leading their division because they're behind the bills. Technically, I think mm-hmm. they're eight and three. They're at 90 percent chance to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah. So I would think uh, if the Bengals win this week, they're probably jumping up at least close to 90, if not quite. 90.
0: Yeah. And if you look at the AFC, the other teams were really battling with are the Chargers, Jets, Patriots. Right. And the Patriots right now have a 19 percent chance to make the playoffs. They have a I was looking at schedules today. They have a couple losses still on their schedule. Definitely, they still have to play but the Bills and the Dolphins. Right? Jets are a hot mess. I mean, <laughs> I know they won, but I'm like, there's no way you actually can believe Mike White's going to lead you. Maybe he will uh, to the promised land. But seven and four, like I, I, yeah. And then you got the, 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 the Cardinals. Chargers almost gave us
1: a huge gift yesterday and, and t- yeah. took out the Chargers. The, ja-
0: was- the Jaguars did their thing though. Yep. Shout out, shout out to the Jags. Marvin Jones, our old guy, Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. And flying Doug Peterson. There he is. Um, yeah, so that was that was huge for us. So sitting pretty right now, work left to do, and I'm going to ask you uh, this or that before we get out of here. Okay. And there's no wrong answer. And let's, let's assume neither one of them uh, impact one way or the other, like whether you make the playoffs, right? Would you rather beat the Chiefs this week and lose to the Bills Monday Night Football or lose to the Chiefs and beat the Bills Monday Night Football? Oh man, that's tough. I know, it's a tough question. I actually hate asking it because that means we're losing one, but I was just thinking right. about it today. I'm like, which one would I rather have? Right. If you had a like,
1: if you have to, sorry about the train, everyone. All good. That's the last train to uh, for the Bengals bandwagon. If you're not that's on out it, of town. if you're not on it right now, then you might need a headed check. headed from
0: Lexington to Cincinnati. Yep. Uh
1: I think I would say the I would want to win the Bills game simply because of the primetime factor. I'm so yeah, sick of concise. losing in primetime. Yeah. But on the other hand, I really like Joe Burrow having the head-to-head wins over uh, Pat Mahomes. Uh, so uh, I might say that uh, one actually. Plus I think, I, I, I no do think the Chiefs are still the team to beat. So I think beating the Chiefs uh, means more to the psyche and just morale. And beating the Bills would, but yeah. I I, ex, I expect and hope the Bengals to win both. So
0: that's right. We just topped the one hour mark of the podcast first one hour podcast episode in quite a while, I believe. You, you so never congratulations. last this long. I never last this long. Um, but here we are on a Monday. Speaking of a, of a completely unrelated
1: uh, thing, did you see the, yeah. the tweet about Russ Wilson and scoring?
0: I did, yes, yes, I did see that. Completely Um, unrelated. Yep, Uh, (laughs) I did see that one. Uh, (laughs) He's having a rough time, unfortunately. We do need him to play well. I think they get uh, they get the Ravens either this week or next. So the defense could be trouble. That's what I'm saying. Like that's the type of game with two good defenses and offenses that can bog down. Like that's the type of game that's going to be thirteen to ten, and this could go either way. Absolutely.
1: Go Broncos. Either way. go Broncos get a, get a
0: Latavius Murray a little late touchdown Corlin Sutton break loose one time I wouldn't mind it um so we'll, we'll monitor that Bengals look good though uh for now not getting ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. but seven and four we're happy about that happy about the win over the Titans Huge and win. A big one coming up which will be a it's going to be an emotional podcast next week <laughs> win or lose. one way or the it's going to be emotional good so bring your tissues um, Bring your tissues, not your issues. Good. Thanks for listening. We will have another Christmas karaoke on next week's episode.
1: What um, are you going to sing I ha- for us?
0: I don't, I don't want to tip my hat on okay, anything. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I, okay. I like you feel free to join in if you want to look up some that, you know, kind of describe how you feel about the, the most recent game. Okay. Get in there. I know my Christmas song, so I can jump in with Duet if you're uncomfortable going solo. Sure. Just let me know.
1: Okay good okay. we'll look
0: into it thank you until next time bingles fans who day